0: Dr. Susan Wagner received her DVM from Ohio State University's College of Veterinary Medicine in 1988. She completed a master's degree in clinical residency in neurology at OSU as well. She's been on the faculty at OSU, working both in the clinic and teaching an integrative medicine elective. She also has practiced both neurology and integrated medicine at MedVet, a large multi-facility corporate specialty practice headquartered in Columbus, Ohio. Dr. Wagner's interests have included vibrational medicine, aromatherapy, and music therapy. She's also worked uh, at an administrative level at OSU in developing integrated medicine in a One Health concept. Her recent focus has been on endocannabinoids, and that will be the subject of an upcoming webinar that she'll present for CIVT. During my conversation with Dr. Wagner, we talk about her undergraduate studies in psychology and how that led her to veterinary medicine, the health issue that led her to integrative medicine, and her thoughts on the future of integrative medicine in corporate and academic practice. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Susan Wagner. Dr. Susan Wagner, thanks for joining me.
1: Oh, thanks. It's wonderful to be here.
0: So where'd you grow up?
1: I grew up in Steubenville, Ohio, which most people know about it for good and bad reasons, but uh, it was a wonderful place to grow up.
0: And when did the idea of being a veterinarian come into play?
1: I'm probably the only person that, um, if you'd have said when I was in high school that. You know, would I want to be a veterinarian? I would have laughed at you. We never even really had pets. I grew up as a city girl. Um, So then I went to college. I was a psych major and I started working with um, squirrel monkeys and mice and rats and um, really enjoyed that. And last semester, senior year of college, I thought, I don't know if I want to do a PhD in psych. It's just seemed so narrow. It was like looking into aggression and behavior and things like that. I thought, I don't know what I want to do. Um, So I thought about med school and that didn't seem right either. And, you know, then I thought, well, I really enjoyed working with animals and talked to a friend of a friend who is a veterinarian. And he said, yeah, you know, you could do research or you could – going to primate work or whatever. So that's what prompted me to, to apply, but I had to go back and get a bunch of different credits and get, you know, experience. Cause you know, I could tell a cow from a horse, but that was about it. So, um, it took me a couple years, a few years to get in, but I finally made it.
0: Where did you do your undergrad?
1: Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm real proud of that. It was a, it was a tough school, but I enjoyed the heck out of it.
0: Do you feel like your um, psych undergrad was a benefit once you got to vet school?
1: Yeah. It's just funny how life works because um, it definitely was. And I got to vet school and I thought, okay, I was really focusing on those primates and research and Then, you know, I discovered the Columbus Zoo and I thought, oh, here it is. I want to be a zoo vet. Um, So I followed Dr. Gardner, the zoo veterinarian, around just every waking moment that I had. Um, But at that time, there weren't a lot of zoo residencies. In fact, OSU was starting the first one and there was a fella ahead of our class and I knew he was going to get it. I voted for him. He was so good. And then, you know, you had to travel all around, like maybe two years at this little zoo and then two years at another zoo. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do that. So I started getting kind of disappointed. And then I had my neuro um, elective, you know, how we do our clinical stuff. And that was it. I just, all of the neuro, because when I was a psych major, I was really a physiologic psych major. I was really into neuroscience and how the brain affects behavior you know, from that standpoint. So there it was coming right back at me, all this neuroscience and I, and I just fell in love. So that's how I kind of shifted into, um, I practiced for a couple of years and then went back for the neuro residency. And, and now fast forward all these many years, and I'm so interested in, you know, animal behavior, but also how animals teach us and, um, and neuroscience in general, and and I feel like when I work with animals, it really helps a person learn about themselves. And I thought oh, I've come full circle. <laughs> this is psych again. So it's just, <laughs> it's really funny how life takes you on a journey. You just have no idea where it's going to end up. Oh,
0: geez. Now we should back up because you got a master's before I got school, a yeah?
1: master's uh, when I was doing my neuro residency. Yeah, yeah, ah, yeah. Okay. The same okay. time. So, yep. Yeah. All right.
0: Um, so after the residency, where to I then? stayed
1: on at Ohio State because uh, I love teaching. That's still, I think, you know, if I had stayed in psych, I, I definitely would have stayed in academia. Um, I just love teaching. And so that was really awesome. Um, that little bit of time I stayed at Ohio State. And then just the way things worked out. It didn't work out for me to stay any longer. So I went to uh you know, for specialty practice. And that was, that was loads of fun and very busy and 16 hour days and, oh, golly. Um, and then a, another opening came at Ohio State and I thought, oh, here's my, you know, here's my chance. It was, it was what they call soft money. So not a real um, tenure track position. Um, But I went back because I just, I love the teaching. So um, I did that for a little while and then that dried up. So I went back um, into practice, um, also went back to MedVet. But in the meantime, in between all these things, there was an opening at the, um, what they call managed healthcare, which was sort of this organization that was a link between Um, the medical school at Ohio State, and their health plan for employees. And at that time, they were getting ready to start the integrative medicine center. So I actually took a job with managed healthcare as part of the research and basically development into this integrative um, medical center with the idea of linking back around to Lincoln, the vet school, because at that time, there were a lot of academic places You know, really getting into integrative medicine like Harvard and Duke and Stanford. But we were the only ones with a veterinary college. And so that whole concept of One Health and the human animal bond as a healing thing, we just had this really big, great vision. So um, I got to do that for a short period of time. But then that money dried up, that job dried up. um, And then I went out on my own and then ended back up at MedVet. And now some, almost 20 years later, the integrative program at OSU is is going strong. And there are some links, maybe not officially, but definitely links with the veterinary college. And that's really exciting.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, One Health must have been just a, a blip was. on the radar back then, right? I mean, that's yeah. almost 20 exactly. years ago. Exactly. It's been 20 yeah.
1: years. Yeah, So now everybody's talking about it, right? You can do a master's in public health. You can do all these things. But yeah, back then we were just sitting there and going, this has all got to come together somehow.
0: Um, so your first in at MedVet was you were doing neuro?
1: Yes, just straight, well, just neuro, internal medicine, oncology. But there, that was really, um, I had started to get into integrative medicine, energy work, and so I would kind of sneak around and do energy healing on a lot of the patients. The students would kind of look at me like, what's she doing? Um, but it was strictly the position was, yeah. Um, neuro and internal medicine. Oh my the gosh. Now, that's what we now. joke about. You know, this, it's become this huge, you know, there's like 26 or so med beds now. And you know, I always joke. The good news was you could I could turn around and ask Dr. Shroma for an ultrasound, and the bad news was I could turn around and ask Dr. Shroma for an ultrasound. I mean, there was just a handful of us; it was very small. Um, and so, from that, has just over these not that many years grown into you know merging with other well-established practices, and it's been a fun thing to watch them blossom. Um, and then when I went back. Uh, six or seven years ago, it was specifically, um, they had a rehab department, but it was specifically like, let's, let's get integrative medicine going and combine it with rehab and see what happens. So I did a little bit of neurology on the side, but the focus was really, let's see how this can flow in a specialty medicine setting
0: and it that was, was that was their
1: idea? idea it was kind of like a little intuitive hit like what next you know how you get to a point in life where i was doing i was out on my own at this point still teaching a little bit at osu which i still do i'm still adjunct um but i i was out on my own and my clients were just kind of drying up the patients were either passing away or getting better which is you know getting better is a good thing and i thought what next you know it's just this this, you know, quiet, clean slate. And the head of MedVet just popped into my head. And I thought, oh, no, you got to be kidding me. You know, but I thought, well, all right, my intuition's guiding me. So I just picked up the phone. And he and I are old friends. And and I said, can we just talk? And he's like, sure. So we just started brainstorming. And um, so it came from that phone call. But the powers that be were way, way open to it or it never would have happened. Um, they, the two, you know, head honchos um, really helped create it and establish how it was going to look. So I really got to hand it to them because they were ahead of the curve there as well.
0: Oh, certainly. I mean, that was that. Yeah, I mean exactly, For corporate practice, exactly. that's pretty unique. So,
1: and it, you know, it's hard. It, it's not like it hasn't had its bumps, and and I understand why, because it's really fascinating. When I would, I would sub down in in the Cincinnati MedBet. so it was starting to branch out to a couple different MedBets. So I would go down there once a week and do strict neurology, but I would always, you know, think of what integrative things I would bring in, but. I would find myself when I was seeing patient after patient, it was really, really fast paced. I would forget the integrative part. You know, I'd have to stop and go, no, wait a minute, I need to do this. So I see how people are in their mode of thought and their own specialty. And it's hard to think about, okay, should I refer over here? Because it's not something that they're trained in. You know, it's not instinctual. So I think that that's Part of the dilemma, and it, I think it still is that it's either the client has to ask for it or they think of it as an end stage type thing, and um, so that still is a challenge that I don't think we've figured out how to get past quite yet.
0: I agree, you know, even thinking of rehab. I mean, Medvet's been a leader there and having a rehab department as far as a corporate practice. But you know, just in my experience, a lot of surgeons still don't feel like rehab is a is a necessary thing. Or I hate to, to age relate it, but perhaps it's stratified toward older surgeons. But um, yeah, I mean that it has to get in everybody's mind that it's, that it's a thing. That the, the integrated medicine know, can, is an I important know. part so of what we can it do. It really
1: for these is, um, and you can do lectures and. You know, get kind of get a model going, but yeah, I even see it today with some of the younger surgeons. They don't, they get in their mind like, oh, well, this dog's feeling fine. It doesn't really need the rehab, and it, and so they don't think to mention it. But I can't think of a case that didn't benefit from it after surgery. You know, now if the owners can't do it, they can't do it. But to think that they don't, they wouldn't benefit. That's still an education piece, and I I think that's even some of the younger ones as well.
0: Yeah, you bet so as far as the integrated part though i mean medvet has a a bit of a track record with that certainly do you see i mean how do you see integrated medicine growing in a corporate practice or even in other corporate you know medvet aside other corporate practices it hasn't really taken Mm -hmm. off and i just i mean clients want it I wonder no, why it's not showing up in too, more practices. because
1: it, it's spotty here and there, and I think part of it too is um, the person doing it has to be either depending on the model of how they're paid. Um, you know, if they're paid by who they see, you know, they're not going to make the same income as you know, a surgeon, certainly, you know, they make a huge income, Um, or even an internist or neurologist that's doing a lot of diagnostics, because that's just part of what we have to do, you know, so there's an income that's generated from that. And you're seeing so many cases. So if you're just paid by the case that you see, it has to be a person that, that financially is like, well, this is okay. Or if they're paid a salary, I think a lot of times they can't generate what their salary is. And so the company has to be willing to go, yeah, we know this isn't a big money-making area, but we value it for our patients and our clients. So we're going to support it. So I I think part of it is is the financial figuring that piece out. And I don't know if that's sort of been your experience with other practices or
0: Yeah, I'd agree. And, you know, I'm thinking now as you're talking about, you know, I was up at Michigan, Michigan State a couple years ago lecturing and, you know, they're, they're at least acupuncture, not necessarily an whole breadth of integrated medicine, but acupuncture has made its way into the clinic and a number of clinicians are being trained and, and maybe, maybe the institutions have to take the lead a little bit because, Mm -hmm. I mean, you'd know more than I about the funding part of that, but, you know. That they can set an example, rather than having a corporate practice set an example for for the industry. That this is right. something that I can think really getting
1: it in, yeah, getting the vet schools practice. to buy in. I mean, that's that's everything, right? So if the students get exposed to it, then they get out and they want to learn it, and you know that's how everything changes. And yeah, and on that level, they have to value it, you know. And then you have their particular financial struggles of, you know, how how much are they supported by the state and you know, all of those things. So it, it, it is a, um, there's just a lot of factors I think that go into it, but you know, if I think if they experience it or they see a patient that really, really does well with it, it, it starts to shift things or clients are constantly asking for it. So, um, but.
0: Well, I guess you know that that's a situation. Say at, at Louisiana State, where a, you know a client of the hospital, of the teaching hospital, was um, was using that sort of medicine wow. and insisted, and they funded a whole service you know, and but got the impetus to, and, you know, and other schools have had right. sponsors of at least continuing education tracks and that sort of thing. But, so, so what's happening, I guess, for, for a full, expo- yeah. uh, full disclosure, <laughs> we should t- disclose that we're classmates mm-hmm. uh, from, from, yeah. from Ohio State. So what's the situation um, they in Ohio State? still
1: have now? the integrative medicine elective. So I'm really excited about that. And, um, They have a wonderful young faculty person, Dr. Gardner. Um, She's equine and and also their new rehab doc. And they're very passionate about it. And um, the department chair is also very supportive. The dean has been supportive. So um, they're actually taking a break this year from teaching it so they can brainstorm and try to expand it. So they're hopefully doing more clinical shadowing, um, things like that. So, so is it a little slower than I would like? Sure. And yet, um, when you see the, the people in the administration supporting it and the younger faculty being creative, that's how I know it. And the students wanting it, you know, I, that's how I know it's going to make it. So, um, I'm real pleased about that. And then even on other parts of the campus, um, there's an undergraduate minor um, in integrative medicine. So that's out of the school of, um, used to be called Allied Health. And sorry, I can't remember the new name, but, um, and then the medical students have an interest in it. Um, so, you know, there, it's still alive. It, you know, <laughs> the embers are still burning. <laughs> it's maybe not a bonfire yet, but it's there, you know, so it's great. Good. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. it guess it does certainly take a lot of people to buy in at various levels. You know, that at the department chair level and at the dean's level. And I we're fortunate, uh, at least from what you tell me, that uh, Doctor yeah. Moore our Dean has been supportive. Can you can you just walk us through what the your elective? Yeah, there, it's
1: basically uh, the logistics designed of that? to give the students really an intro, you know, we tell them you're not going to come in and and leave as a acupuncturist or or as a chiropractor or energy worker, um, but you're going to learn about all the different, as many different modalities as we can get in there and then see what interests them. So the first lecture, we go into an overview of what even integrative medicine is, what's the research, what's the history, um, what are research challenges to it, and then we'll have all the different lectures come in. And, and this one guy used to come down and do the chiropractic. He was really good. And I, I don't know whatever happened to him. But, but yeah. so for the listeners, obviously, that's the deal. <laughs> um, so you would do the chiropractic and we'd have acupuncture and nutrition, um, essential oils, rehab, um, energy medicine. Um, just a whole host of different things. And now with the expansion, they're getting to go shadow different veterinarians who do the work. And so that's very exciting. That kind of gets them going. And, um, so, and a lot of it's going online now. It, it's amazing how many classes are, you know, they, they're podcasted or, you know, recorded. And so the students can kind of watch it and listen on their own time, which, yeah, you know, I thought, oh, it's kind of weird not, not to be in person. The first and last classes are in person. But then, you know, I do think about it, it was four to six and they're exhausted by that point. So, yeah, they might want to go home and eat and then relax and watch it. So um, just have to get with the program of the new technology. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, it's kind of nice. Exactly. If they can consume it at their leisure when, right? You're, you're right. When they have the energy. I mean, it's, I guess from a, for, from me as a practitioner standpoint, it's great that they have an interest and they can get a background, at least if they're coming out as a new grad, they've got some basis for making a judgment about if client asks about it, even, even if they're not interested in doing it, but they've got, you know, exactly. a sense of and what of it could the things involve which I thought was It's good for all of us, for sure.
1: Um, Dr. Gardner has them, one of the things they have to do after they watch um, the podcast is they have to post on their um, Carmen website that is their teaching website, what they thought about the modality before the lecture and how they feel about it now. And of course, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just all their opinion. Um, and I thought that was just fantastic because it allows them to say, you know, you hear a lot of, well, I thought this was just crazy. And now I do see there's some science there. And so I thought that was a great way of approaching it.
0: Oh, God. Yeah, I can think about, you know, clients coming to see me and and maybe they've had an experience themselves and maybe it hasn't been very favorable with a certain modality or maybe it has. And just the ability to get yeah, somebody's yeah, feedback really on how they feel about it after a lecture would be awesome. And Columbus is a pretty rich area. I mean, as far as practical experience, I mean, they, yeah, they, have, they a really of, are. have a lot of students probably have a lot of options for getting
1: um, and, um, at the uh, MedBet Rehab, we have Dr. Bancroft's doing the chiropractic, and uh, we have two acupuncturists, massage. Um, and then out in the community, there's more. And I think most of the practices that are the private practices, general practices that are adding things tend to go for acupuncture first. Um, and I don't know, maybe that's just because it's more well known. I'm kind of surprised, and I would love your opinion on this. I'm surprised that Not more of them are going more into the chiropractic piece of it. Um, I think they would be interested in that, but it seems like they're all going into acupuncture.
0: Yeah, it does. I mean, that's certainly my experience, too, is that acupuncture, like you said, it's probably maybe a little more well-known. I think this region of the country isn't as strong in
1: a chiropractic culture
0: as other regions of the country, and I think that has something to do with it, too.
1: Um. Yeah, I always. So, what tell got the you interested in doing somebody in my greenhouse. age? There's always a story. They're lucky that the youngsters coming up. You know, I do laugh though. they'll say, "Oh, well, my mom or dad used to do this," and I'm thinking, "Oh man, I'm getting old." But um, for the folks that you know are our age, there's usually a story. And for me, I had just um, was going into my neuro residency, and I right before I started dropping things, I was in a lot of pain. I had fatigue and. So they were working me up for MS. I was like classic MS signs, which luckily I did not have. So I had this kind of mystery fatigue, fibromyalgia, whatever back then they really didn't know. Um, So I went into the residency working very hard and struggled a lot because I wasn't feeling well. And a friend of mine got me a gift certificate for cranial sacral therapy. And I kind of rolled my eyes like, oh, you know, I'm a scientist but I thought she was kind enough to do it. She paid for it. Uh, By golly, I'm going. And as you can imagine, it worked. Um, And I still see this therapist to this day. She got me through my residency. And and from that point, I think the important thing is we all come from a thing of curiosity. Like, okay, I could see this was working. It was a simple hands-on, very light touch. Yet I could see my body changing. So then, it, then I just got the, all right, how is this working? You know, this something's going on here. I got to know how this is working. And then I heard about Healing Touch for Animals, which seemed kind of related. And I remember going to my first Healing Touch uh, workshop and um, Carol Comator, who founded it, had this really hyper Springer Spaniel in her lap. And you know how they are. They're just really bubbly. And she just had her hands on the dog and was talking to us. And I'm watching this dog just just relax into her lap. And I thought, she drugged this dog on dog. I got to find the syringe. She gave this dog something. because it just went flat. I, I'm like, what? And of course, there was none. And <laughs> from that moment on, I thought, I have got to learn how to do this. And I've got to learn how it works. And that started really my whole journey with this Um And just trying to understand energy medicine from a quantum physics standpoint and um, just fascinated by all of it. And then, you know, I just kept wanting to learn all the different things. But, yeah, you know, pain can be a good thing and a bad thing. It pushed me to a place of being more open-minded. Yeah, I was. And so I would come back. So were you a resident at this time when you were doing the healing touch? At that time, you know, it was just like, what, the, even now people are like, what is this whammy? Woo, what are you doing? Um, but back then it was even more so. And one of our critical care, uh, Shane Bateman, who's just a dear, dear person and fantastic doctor. Um, he, he got it. So he would do, um, ICU rounds and he, would make Icu very you know very quiet he created this wonderful environment so he would get most of the students out except for the couple he was rounding with and then he would let me in <laughs> and I would go around and just work on the animals. and like I said they'd be looking at me and he'd, he''d like pay no mind to that to that doctor there in the cage just so bothered looking at what she's doing um so I would just you know it was very much just working and helping the animals and then Um, later started doing it really as a, as a practice and adding it to my toolbox. And, you know, I find now people, even the people that are very, very kind of left-brained, they, they don't think it's crazy at all. You just give them a two minute blurb about, well, it's really physics related and it's all about vibration and this is what you're going to see. And they go, oh, okay. It, it really isn't that crazy at all.
0: No, that's been my experience since I've started and and that if you give people some common sense uh, background on what you're doing, that it's, you know, and you hear those stories from all over the country that, that whole integrative veterinarians yeah, that's exactly find an right. audience yeah. no matter yeah. where Which they are because people are it's willing really, to accept.
1: It's that was an interesting oh, yeah. little. You so did, know, how I did music the come to play and the music therapy part. When I was at the managed healthcare piece of things, help them get the center started. I um, an undergraduate at OSU reached out to me and said, "You know, I heard you think outside the box." I'm like, "Yeah," um, and she wanted to. What she was doing um, an undergraduate project. With the uh, hopes of applying to vet school, and she wanted to look at music and its effect on epileptic dogs, and I thought, well, that's just a fantastic idea. Um, I know about epilepsy, but and I'm a musician, but I don't know a thing about music therapy. So I sort of looked out, you know, into the world of music therapy and found um, Lisa Spector and Joshua Leeds out in California, and talked called them and they said, oh, yeah, and, you know, by the way, we're doing a project and we sure would like a vet's input on this, um, especially from a neurologic standpoint. And so that's how it all came from this student's project. Um, so so we worked on the, we did the epilepsy project, really didn't see any difference. It was just a small number of dogs. Um, but that's the thing with epilepsy, it seems like, you know, it's all about control. So forget trying to control it. Um, but the, you know, the other project went really well. And um, a lot of CDs came out of it yeah. and, a, and a book, and it was a lot of fun. And I learned a whole boatload about sound and the nervous system and how it's just so important for the brain. And um, so it was just a great, I really very lucky to have worked on that.
0: I, uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to give a plug to those through a dog's ear. Um, we've used those in the, in the office for years and they work and they, they really work well. And the clients can really see a difference. And it's, it's, it's just great. And we talk about all the fear-free things with our practices and
1: and And how much, at least in my office, the music plays a part of that. Starting to get mainstream. There was just an article in the New York times, uh, about the whole fear-free movement. So that's really gaining traction. And I think, I hope someday it's going to be the standard, you know, aha or wherever you don't get certified unless you're free, fear free or, or have some kind of training like that. So.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah it's that really came a from the healing um, touch. So when what, I was going uh, to the, the healing touch for animals program, um, Carol was an expert aromatherapist. So she would bring that in and actually music too. We learned some tuning fork, you know, sound therapy. Um, but she was, Oh, exceptional at, at essential oils. So I learned that along with the healing touch for animals and then um, just kept reading. And a lot of the good, some of the great research coming out of Europe, the big one that is just like, wow, um, they found that the olfactory cells that are in our brain, part of the brain that makes us smell, allows us to smell, those are really sensory cells that are all through the body. So, you know, when you put an oil on your skin, it's like your skin is smelling it. It's not just about the the brain doing it. And I thought, oh, man, that is just, you know, the further we get into the science and understanding it, it really helps people to embrace it. So, um, yeah, it's really fascinating. Oh, well, I'm still trying to do as much teaching so what's as occupying possible your time but that's still my love um, and going to different meetings and presenting and teaching the students and i've gotten interested in cannabinoids and because i really wasn't that interested in it way back when cbd hit the market many years ago cuz it just seemed like it really didn't work that well and i and I, of course i had all the worst of the worst epileptics so you know, again, it's hard to get anything to work for those. But um, and I really blew it off. And then I watched a webinar, and the, this physician had said there was more receptors in the brain for cannabinoids than any other neurotransmitter. And I thought, what? I'm I'm a neuroscientist, and I'm blowing this off. So. I got real geeked out and just started reading and had a blast and thought, holy cow, there's so much literature out there on this whole amazing system. So I've been spending the last few months learning about it and trying to teach people about it and using it a little bit. And the few animals that I work with and helping other veterinarians use it and people just to see, you know, how they do. And, uh, but it's fascinating. So that's kind of a new, new thing. And I'm still, um, teaching retreats on how how to really look at life from an energy perspective and a spiritual perspective. And that's a really deeper passion. Um, and also working with horses and how they reflect our energies back to us and help us on our paths. So yeah, that I really, really, really love. So hopefully I can continue to do that work.
0: Mm -hmm. So do
1: you have advice for younger veterinarians?
0: What do you tell your students? I tell
1: them, and I know it's hard for them to hear it because there's just so many factors now that, you know, they, they have such debt and then they find themselves going for that job that pays the money so they can pay off their debt, but they're seeing 15 minute appointments. And I try to tell them to just follow their heart and, you know, they'll eventually pay things off and, you know, just to try to take care of themselves and follow what they're passionate about, because if they don't, um, they're going to burn out real fast. There's just too many stressors. Okay. Yeah. Well, oh, I think it's a good place to stop be here. I really appreciate it. I really
0: uh, thank you for your time. It was wonderful to talk thank to you. you. All right. Thank you, Susan.